Welcome to the Business Blueprint Podcast, where we take you on an exciting adventure through our triumphs and challenges and failures in creating and maintaining a thriving six, seven, and eight-figure business. Get ready to dive into our strategies, decisions, and yes, even valuable lessons we've learned from our missteps. That's not all. We'll also bring you industry-leading guests who will provide you with their priceless insights and wisdom. Stay tuned because the captivating journey of the Business Blueprint begins right now. Hi, I'm Charles Hatley with the Business Blueprint. And as always, today I'm joined by Rebecca Malone and Dan Cuneo, but we're extraordinarily excited because I have a really special guest that, that I enjoy talking to, uh, Tracy, and she's going to be talking to us about strategic calendaring. So Tracy, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you what you know and what you're all about. Sure. My name is Tracy Bear. I have about 25 years or more experience in business. I've owned my own businesses. I'm also an attorney. Um, I work for How to Manage a Small Law Firm right now, and I've worked there for a little over four years. The thing about How to Manage that I think has really been um, impactful as my career has progressed is, is it has allowed me to work with business owners in a variety of senses. Some are just starting. Some have been business owners for decades, but it's getting them to achieve their goals in the capacity of CEO and COO. So I'm happy to share some of that experience with you today. And the way Tracy and I met is I went to a class on strategic calendaring at a time when I didn't know what the word calendaring nor strategic meant. And we spent, I believe it was two days or three days kind of sitting down, going through exactly what that meant and learning. So Tracy, can you give us just a quick snapshot of what is strategic calendaring? So it's really taking all of those goals that you want to achieve, especially, you know, those folks that want to get to a revenue goal that's much different than they've had in the past years. It's taking those, all of those things that are swimming around in your head that sometimes help or hinder you um, from making progress and putting them into a calendar in a way that helps you not only achieve the goal by deadline to get the money in the bank when you need it, or to create more sanity in your life so you feel like you have some flexibility and freedom. Um, it, it gets those things in that calendar, but it also helps you take a step back and say, not only do I need the money or need the sanity by this date just so I can be better in my regular life, um, not only professionally, but it also lets you look um, and take a step back and say, when do I need to start all of these activities in order to get to that end goal? Because just because you want it by this date doesn't mean it's going to happen. And the things to get there aren't the only things you have to consider. You have to consider all of the steps along the way, and those are all part of the project. So it's a really a way to take that brain dump that's in your head, all of those things swirling around saying, I need to do this, I need to do that in order to accomplish my end goal, and find a way to calendar them and actually make it happen and figure out who you need to get involved in order to actually hit the goal on time, on budget, and make whatever progress you need in order to be successful. What is the, uh, so I, I, found, I find this topic very interesting and you think, oh, calendaring, how hard can that be, right? It's just putting uh, a, an entry on my calendar and then just kind of checking on it or putting reminders. But strategic calendaring is so much different and, it, and it's such a huge help. 
before you even get to the point of actually putting pen to paper, what what would you recommend is the, the first step to do? Brain dump. And that some, seems like it's the easiest thing, but some people find it to be the most challenging. You have so many things that are competing in your head to get done that sometimes we're almost like a cat on a hot tin roof. We're jumping from one thing to the other and we're never truly accomplishing our end goal. So it's taking all of those things floating around your head, getting them down on paper or for those of you that say no more paper electronically and being able to look at them and say, okay, which things can I delegate out to someone else? Maybe I need to hire somebody to come in and do a few things. And some of them may be personal and some of them may be professional. Then looking and categorizing them. Which things are the biggest priority? Which will bring money in the quickest? Which will create the most sanity the quickest? Which will give me relief the quickest? What are the things that I want to do that I don't want to miss out on this year that maybe I've missed out on? And we can say, now let's look at them independently and see what it would take to actually accomplish them and then look at the calendar. So the calendar is almost the absolute last thing that you do, which tends to drive people crazy initially. I mean, Charles, you can probably attest to that, that you get in, you think, okay, great, I'm gonna have a calendar and it's gonna be awesome and I'm gonna start right now. But there's a lot of thought that goes through um, the process before you ever get to the actual calendar. And those, uh, what you're talking about, that's, can that be fluid? So you, you take everything up in here, throw it onto a piece of paper, figure out and prioritize. And then how often do you review that? So you should really take time each month and put it on your calendar as a brain dump time because there's always stuff floating around. It could even be something innocuous that has nothing to do with work that, oh, I have to pick up those birthday invitations. I have to pick up those birthday invitations. I have to pick up those birthday invitations. Now, if you forget to pick up those birthday invitations, there's going to be some people in your life that are pretty upset. Also, that's competing with all of the other things that you have to do. And it's on your mind and it's in the back of your head kind of sometimes um, nudging you to to try to get that done first. But that probably isn't your highest priority, right? So I think if you take one 90-minute block a month and you sit and you just think, what's in my brain dump now? It'll help you look at your calendar and say, is this still where I need to be? Or are there other things that are higher priority now? And do I need to make some adjustments? Just like any type of plan or goal or blueprint that you have, it evolves over time because life isn't static. It's not a textbook. You know, we don't say this is what's going to happen. And lo and behold, everybody says what we hope they say in our mind. Everybody does what we hope they'll do when we hope they do it. Instead, we have to have that evolution and keep planning and keep evolving in order to accomplish the things that we really want. So one thing that I really like to use, but I don't think I've, I've found the right balance yet, is time blocking. And so, for example, like on Thursday mornings is when I do a certain type of phone call. I, I do some consultations and I've, I've limited it to that piece on my calendar. But I've seen people go way to the other side of the spectrum where it's like every minute of their day is blocked for like thinking time and like email reading time and like this time and this time. How do you kind of strike the balance to make sure you have the time for the things, but you're not booking every minute of your day? Yeah. So you don't have paralysis by analysis where you have, you're so segmented that you can't do anything else. 
Well, I think it's important first to realize that as adults, we have a tendency once we're distracted to take about 20 minutes to get back on track. So if you're distracted three times a day, you've lost an hour. So, you know, the reason why you would calendar block is to make sure that you um, are set on what you want to do, but you also understand, you know, interruptions sometimes happen, but we're able to let everybody else know when we have time to handle some things if they are or aren't an emergency, right? So that's part of the first thing that you would need to do is define what an emergency is that you can come in and interrupt me. You know, it, for the lawyers out there, I would think if a bailiff could interrupt me in court, that's an emergency. Most things don't qualify, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it allows you if you do, for example, you mentioned email, you do email in the morning and email at night, then you're going to make sure that you hit anything that you didn't have after you left the office, because you're going to do it right when you get in. And then you're going to see anything that happened throughout the day. Whereas if you're like Pavlov's dog and every time that bell rings and you've got another email, you switch over, you're losing momentum and time and brain power that could have went into whatever you were working to look first, take a couple of weeks and start jotting down all of the things you do. Not only will you find that you can get blocks, but you will also find there are a lot of things that you're doing that you probably shouldn't be. They aren't the highest and best use of your time. And it'll give you an opportunity to say who should be doing this so that I can do things that maybe are a better use of my time and of my position. And it would allow you to delegate some of those things. And then the things that still need to stay with you, you can say, what makes sense? Should I be doing this in the morning? Should I let staff know this is when I do this so that I need information by this time or, or that time. Um, those are all things that can help you. I think the people that try to schedule every minute tend to get frustrated because again, we're dynamic, we're humans. So things tend to not go exactly as planned. So that's why you have to develop the structure with it. Develop kind of those rules of engagement. When is it okay to interrupt me? When is it okay to blow up my calendar? All of those types of things will help you better navigate your blocks. Yeah. So kind of along with that, then, how frequently should you have just like, like almost free time, like a available open office hours type of time throughout the week? Um, Are we is talking like about Michael Scott when he on the office, when he has the free yeah. time for creative thinking? Right. Um, <laughs> I do think we do need some free time to be able to develop, you know, work product, to be able to look at things and review information. And for people that have um, others reporting to them, you want to put admin blocks in there. You want to put metrics review in there. You want to put um, stand up meetings. If you're having a quick meeting in the morning or a quick meeting at night, maybe with the sales team or with your intake team, you want to make sure that those things are blocked out because they're important. And if it doesn't make the calendar, it doesn't always make your life. Yep. So true. You know, one of the things, and I want to get back to the actual act of calendaring, but when I took your uh, class, you, know, you talk about delegation a lot and you kind of went into how to delegate and kind of how to use the calendar to delegate fairly. And you kind of touched that on a little bit. You got to tell people what you expect. So can you tell us the best way to look at your calendar and then delegate those tasks to somebody else? 
Yeah. So I think the first thing when you're doing that brain dump, like I talked about before you even get into the calendar, you're going to start sorting those things out initially too, because there are some things that might be personal things and not professional things, but you can still hire somebody. Does it make sense for me to put together furniture at the house if I'm not handy and so that I'm either hurting myself, breaking it, or cursing? Or does it make more sense to call Thumbtack or some other organization to have somebody come over and put it together in an hour and cost me 20 or 30 bucks? Um, So you're going to do some of that stuff. But when you have things in your calendar, that's part of the thought process. When you're going through the steps, what type of environment do I need? What type of tools or resources do I need? Sometimes it's technology. What type of tech do I need? Who are the players that need to be involved? And what's really important is as you're layering in that calendar, one of the things you want to do absolutely first before you layer in all of the fun stuff is figuring out where the roadblocks are. What are the things that are going to keep me out of any activity I put on the calendar? Are there things that are, you know, am I getting married? Am I a bridesmaid in a wedding? Is Nana Pat turning 99? Is, you know, is my kid having surgery? Are there, am I on a speaking engagement? You want to make sure that as you're delegating those things, you have all of that peppered in too, because you don't want the project to require you, or let's say Rebecca, you've delegated something to Rebecca, but she's out for a week in Hawaii getting married. That's going to delay the project. You're not going, you have to bake in those added days. So a big part of the delegation is, is really the planning. Before we add it to the calendar, who do I need to have involved? What is the expectation? What is the time frame? Is there a budget or not? Is there a time budget or not? Do they have authority to move or not? Do they have to come back to me with questions if something goes awry? And then have them repeat all of it back because what you think was very clear and they're nodding and going, okay, yeah, great. And then they leave, it may not be. And that's when you run into the things that I'm sure everybody has had happen at least once, which is, a project doesn't get done on time, or you finally check in because you didn't bake in incremental check-ins and you say, okay, where are we thinking you're going to get something great? And they're like, oh, we've been waiting. We didn't know what to do. And when you see those things, it isn't always a lack of participation on the person that got the project delegated to them. It's a fact that they didn't have clarity from the beginning and it wasn't properly delegated. So there's more at play than the calendar and there's more at play than the delegation. It's making sure you do any process you do all the way through. If you try to get shortcuts, your results are also going to be short. How hard um, is it when you're talking, I'm sorry, how hard is it when you're talking to CEOs and COOs to get them to actually delegate? To me, that would be the hardest thing in, in someone in your position before you even get to the calendar, figuring out what tasks as you put that brain dump down, am I going to delegate? Because in our roles, we're so used to doing it ourselves. So I always think, is it the highest and best use of my time? Like if I'm an owner, for example, I think, or a CEO or something like that, I think, oh, $1,000 an hour. Would I pay somebody off the street $1,000 to come do this job? If the answer is no, then why is my time not that valuable? If it's a COO, same thing. Look at what you're being paid, even per hour. Would you 
hire somebody to come in and assist you to do that job? And if the answer is no, it might not be the highest and best use. For attorneys, if it doesn't uh, require a bar card, why are you doing it? Right. You know, you could be moving towards billable hours and even people that aren't billable that are flat fee or contingency, you could be moving cases. And instead, if we have you doing a bunch of busy work and because you're used to doing it, it hasn't even registered that this isn't a great use of my time. We're not getting proper ROI from you. And it also is making it so that you aren't able to do the things that you've been trained and that you have the skills to do. So we're not developing you and you're not providing for us. So really, I think it's a matter of looking at what are the highest and best uses of my time? What are the things that move me towards goal or move the company towards goal with my help? And what moves me away? And if it moves me away, there has to be somebody better suited to do that role. Yeah, I was speaking with Cameron Harold. Uh, I think it was a, a, maybe a week or two weeks ago, and we were talking about something very similar. And what he would do when he was running one eight hundred got junk is he would write every Sunday, he'd write down everything that he had to do for the week, and then he would write what he thought his hourly rate was. And if it didn't equate that kind of exactly what you were saying, <laughs> then he would assign it out, or he would say, "If this doesn't excite me, then I'm I'm not going to do it myself." And then that allowed him to kind of free up his calendar, but then also to to be able to delegate a little bit better, but then to also grow other employees. And then it also was uh, an uh, an exercise to figure out where do I need to grow at and where do I need to hire? Kind of where are some of the clogs at as well? Right. And that's another thing that's a great point. It you know, it's one data point. It's not the only data point, but sometimes we look at things and we think, oh, our employees are overwhelmed. We need to hire. And in a law firm, oftentimes it's like, we need to hire an attorney. And if you would actually look at the workflow and say, is this thing that we have assigned to the, to the attorneys, for example, is, is this thing the highest and best use of their time? Does it require a bar card? And we say, no, then we need to delegate it down. If it's a paralegal, we look at the hourly rate. Does it make sense that a person at this hourly rate would do this task? If the answer is no, we delegate it down. And you delegate it down to the lowest paid, most competent person that can do the job. Obviously, you want to delegate it to somebody that can still complete the task and has the skill set to do that. But we don't need an attorney or a paralegal standing at the copier to scan in files for two hours when they could be billing. If we have a file clerk that could do that, that's making far less and is highly skilled to be able to, to master that task. Hi, this is Dan Cuneo with the Business Blueprint. Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. Please join us next week for part two. Thanks for tuning in. If you found this insightful and entertaining, be sure to hit subscribe below and join us on social media to get more insight into what we are going through each and every day.